Hello everybody and welcome to Volume 1, Issue 43 of the Cane and Rinse Podcast. How Laboratories Pink Blob Without Attitude, Unless You Regard Some of the US Box Art as Canon, Kirby has starred in some 20 Nintendo games over the past 20 years. 2010's Epic Yarn, 2011 in Europe, much to our chagrin, was developed by Goodfeel for Howl, stroke Nintendo, a team previously best known for their educational titles for DS, and 2008's moderately well-received Wario Land Shake It, also known as Shake Dimension, on Wii. Joining me, Leon Cox, this week, we have Tony Atkins. Hello! Darren Gargett. Hello! And James Carter. Oh. Welcome, one and all. So there's not sort of much individual personal history to have with this game. I don't know uh, about anyone else, but I bought this when it came out and uh, played it when it came out. But I've been back to it for the last uh, couple of weeks to play it some more. Tony, you played it recently. You you had it since then, but you yeah, just I got played it. For, it. I got it for my birthday, um, which is a couple of months after it came out. Um, I got that from my friend Paul, and then it sat in its shrink wrapper all the way up until this week or last week when I started. Oh, sometimes that's really nice, though, isn't it? it oh, it's great. You're just tearing it off. But uh, no, it was something I was really, really interested. A game actually was desperate to get after it showing an E3 that we talk about. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I I only just played it literally the last couple of weeks. Uh, Darren, what about you? Well, being the Wii importer. Hey, uh, my Wii import. I was like, oh, it's out. Of, you know, six months before the English one. I didn't bother importing it. I waited till the English one came oh, okay. out, and um, yeah, I waited till it went to about twenty-five quid, which is weird for a Nintendo game. Like, you can pick this yeah. up for cheaper than RRP, which is, you know, that's really rare. It's weird how this is now available for around twenty pounds, whereas uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns, which is also another second-party Nintendo title. Uh, and platformer, albeit at the other end of the difficulty, yeah. yeah, is uh, similarly well loved, um, but remains uh, very. Yeah, it's hard to find it discounted anywhere, isn't it? Mm. I don't know what that's all about. Um, and James, um, yeah, much like I said uh, last week about Ghost Trick, um, it was a game. It came out. I'm sure it was February time. It was yeah, end yeah. of February, wasn't it? And about a week later, I sort of thought I'll get it at some point. It was a game I was really interested in. But about a week later, someone, well, podcasts started mentioning that it wasn't going to sell well, wasn't going to do well. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to get it because even if I don't play it right away, this is a game I want to support, a game I want to play on the Wii, which itself at that time was pretty rare. So, mm. yeah, no, picked it up uh, about a week after release and played it through then. And then once again, also like Ghost Trick at the end of the year. Mm. Yeah, so it was October uh, in 2010, both Japan and North America and Australia and Europe got it in February 2011. Um, So I was wondering, although this is not a kind of 
official, I mean, it is an official Kirby game, but it's not one of the traditional and it's not by HAL Labs. Um, does anyone else have any Kirby history, either with the core games on the Game Boy and NES uh, or any of the many sort of Kirby spin-offs? I've tried Kirby before, but the gameplay's never really grabbed me. It's all, it, this isn't a, a negative comment in terms of, you know, the game quality, but for me... You're allowed to be negative. <laughs> no, okay. but this game, I feel, Kirby, in past years, has always felt like it's been for a younger audience. It's always a bit easier, slower paced, and um, it, it never really grabbed me. Uh, like Kirby's on, on the SNES and I think there was Air mm. Ride on the GameCube which I didn't really enjoy at all but that was a yeah that was a, a terrible game mm. that, yeah that that was one of his unsuccessful spin-offs it's just like when you play Super Mario World and All-Stars on your SNES and then you put in a Kirby game it's a total even though it's still a 2D platformer it's a totally different contrast in how the game actually plays which is which is good in some respects but for me didn't quite grab me anybody else played any historical yeah I'm much the same as Darren really I I've dabbled with them in the past, but never really got past the cuteness factor, and I think that's terrible because I think now if I went back to, and played some of the earlier earlier Kirby games, I'd probably really get something from them. But um, yeah, I think just the over over cuteness of that character was something that pushed me away, and you know, towards <laughs> Mario and stuff. But from what from what I've heard and and doing some research and looking at YouTube, like Kirby wasn't a massively easy platformer. Like, it, it was quite uh, challenging in some mm, some areas. I've done most of them, and they're, they're pretty easy games. Okay. Yeah, uh, they they have their, their moments, but then so does Epic Yarn if you follow it through to beyond just completion of the main game. But we'll we'll talk about that. James, any Kirby history before I tell you mine? H- hang on for a sec. I've got my usual soundboard quote here. I'll just press play. I've not played any other Kirby games previously. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, no, uh, the, the, the only other thing that I've got is uh, I've got um, the, one of the mugs on the 3DS Ambassador list. So I do have... Kirby and the Amazing Mirror on that for GBA. So oh, yeah. at some point I could go to that, but oh yeah, two thousand four. Yeah, up to now that's the only. Uh, this is the only Kirby game I've played. So okay, so um, I kind of missed them on uh, Game Boy and NES. Uh, I came in at the stage. Well, actually, the first Kirby game I played a lot of was a game called uh, Kirby's Dream Course, which uh, was also known as Kirby's Tee Shot outside of the UK or Europe. Um, That was a kind of uh, weird but very excellent uh, sort of odd crazy golf kind of game where Kirby was the ball. Um, He's starred in various games like this where he's been used for other things like in the the motion controlled tilt and tumble um, and he's been a pinball I think and uh, in Canvas Curse which was a or paint what was it called? On in it was it had different names in different regions. Canvas Curse in America, and oh man, that's stretching my brain because I actually imported Canvas Curse on the DS, and I yeah, I, I did. Totally forgot about that game, and it's amazing. Yeah, I think that might be one of my favourite Kirby games. Mm. Uh, Kirby that, Power Paintbrush. Power Apparently. Paintbrush. That's right. Canvas Curse was the better. That was one of those unusual times when the uh, US got the uh, the better title. I'm not sure about the Japanese title. Touch um, Kirby apparently, which is... Touch disturbing. Kirby, yep. Uh, well indeed, Catch Touch Yoshi they had as well, so uh, yeah. Uh, but yes, um, I after playing a lot of uh, Dream Course with a, a friend of mine, um, we played through the 1996 release of Kirby Superstar on the SNES, which was a compilation of his uh, in, the, in much the same way as the Mario All-Stars uh, cart uh, compiled 
previous uh, Mario games is compiled previous gen Kirby games updated them uh, and put them all on one cart on the SNES now you can actually I believe you can still buy this on uh, virtual console even though in 2008 they released uh, Kirby Superstar Ultra on the DS 2009 in Europe naturally which was another updated version of the SNES cart but on the DS and now this year, currently number one in the Japanese charts at the time of writing, is the the compilation that will be known at least in America as Kirby's Dream Collection Special Edition, which compile which this is really odd. It compiles six games, but one of those or six cartridges, but one of those cartridges is Kirby Superstar from the SNES, which includes the previous six games. So you'll you'll get Game Boy Kirby's Dreamland, uh NES Kirby's Adventure, Game Boy Dreamland 2, Kirby Superstar on a SNES, uh, Dream, uh Dreamland 3 I think, and Kirby the Crystal Shard 64 which was his one uh, official Commodore 64 out uh, Commodore 64 <laughs> Nintendo 64 outing. It's not yeah, it's not quite that old. And uh, and that I believe is also available on virtual console. So they're obviously I think, you know, it was always suspected that they never released um, Super Mario All-Stars on the virtual console because it was it would damage sales of the individual cartridges, both on uh, Game Boy Advance and other various versions released. But in this case, it does look like they are... I think a European release for this, this Kirby anniversary pack is yet to be confirmed, but I think it's likely, especially now it's doing well in Japan. But um, yes, there's a lot of Kirby to be played, and having played through most of the original platformers on the SNES versions, they are traditionally quite easy. But where this game most differs is that in the traditional classic Kirby side-scrolling platformers, you have uh, the ability to multi-jump and float, uh, and you suck up enemies into your little Kirby pink body face and turn into those, or you acquire the abilities of those enemies. Um, whereas this game is a little different to that. Mm. So, would, would it be fair to say that Kirby is is more loved across the Atlantic, so either in America or in Japan? Japan, definitely. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's he's particular. I mean, I think virtually every Kirby game has had a release over here, even going down to through some of the um, uh, like Kirby Squeak Squad on the DS, and yeah, as uh, Darren mentioned, Air Ride, which was one of the less successful ones. Kirby's Mass Attack, sorry, Kirby Mass Attack was on DS just last year. Mm, people said that's really good. Right. So yeah, he's. Um, I think I guess he has. He he guarantees a certain number of sales of cartridge to both Nintendo fans, um, people like me who just really enjoy uh, inventive, cutesy platformers, and aren't ashamed to play them <laughs> in any way. Uh, and also, I suppose, that you know, the packaging and the, the, the wrapping does mean that they appeal to sort of the more casual or younger purchaser. He does seem to be a character that's been regulated to the, the handheld because I think I was reading somewhere that it's, it was 10 years between the, the two console versions, between Epic Yarn and... I can't remember which one they they stated. Crystal Shards the was, would have been... Yeah, the, um, yeah if, you don't, if you don't encounter... If you don't count Air Ride... Uh, then yeah, Kirby sixty four in two thousand would have been would have been the previous one. So yeah, that's 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 true. 
It, it well, it's it so suits handheld very well. I mean, you know, the original one was on the Game Boy, and I think the the gentle pace and nature of it was as much a sort of restriction of the Game Boy's tech. Uh, if you mm. play the Mario games from the early Game Boy days, they were uh, surprisingly gentle as well. Um, scrolling was difficult on the Game Boy; it tended to blur. You couldn't have a lot on the screen because the screen was very small. Obviously, sim- uh, lack of color meant that you couldn't have the screen too busy and the fact that it only had a, a Z80 processor so it was kind of product of its of its uh, home platform as it were its yeah, native system uh, Kirby famously although I did have to refresh my memory of this before the show was originally not going to be the star of his own first game uh, no. he was a the, the, the pink blob was a placeholder a piece of placeholder art um, and uh, in the end the development team preferred him to the character they were actually working on to put in the game. Uh, so, well, it was fluff, wasn't it? No, 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 no. I'm talking about Kirby One. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm talking about the, the the conversation we had before the show, Tony, about Kirby being a placeholder. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like ten minutes ago. Um, yeah. So uh, Masahiro Sakurai, uh, who invented created Kirby was creating a game called uh, Twinkle Popo and the character was called Popo Po uh, but the placeholder sprite gained more affection among the development team than the uh, than the, the guy they were creating so he ended up in the game and yes there is there is an analogue to the game we are about to discuss because Kirby's Epic Yarn which wasn't produced by uh, in-house at HAL as we said it's produced by a team called Goodfeel uh, it, it was going to be a Prince Fluff game, basically. It was nothing to do with Kirby. When I think that uh, Nintendo Stroke Hal must have seen the the potential for slapping a bit of uh, a more recognised character in there and turning it into a oh, into yeah. a Kirby a Kirby game. Well, the story is that they they were pro- prototyping it for a good long while, and um, they had their final idea, and they took it to Nintendo, and Nintendo basically turned around and said, "You know, we don't believe in the character, all that kind yeah. of stuff." Um, so you know, do, how do you fancy putting Kirby in there? And apparently, their initial reaction was no. I bet it was, yeah. Um, yeah, no. We, you know, we've made this King Fluff game. Um, King Fluff, who kind of Prince Fluff, is a character. Don't you promoted Fluff, him? Yeah, he's only a prince. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's a he's a character in this game, but I don't think it was entirely based around him. It's just more of a fluff character. But uh, apparently, then they they went off and, and workshopped Kirby into this game for about three months, mm. and actually decided it worked far better in that and that route, and carried on with that. So. Prince Fluff looks like Kirby, but blue. So, did mm-hmm. Prince Fluff always look like this, or did they have to rejig? Prince I would Fluff guess look- he was. I would guess he was rejigged somewhat. Mm. I, I don't know if there are, there are any development uh, drawings of Fluff before Kirby was in the game, but my guess is he wouldn't look quite as much like exactly the same shape as Kirby. If if he was exactly as is, and they pitched up to Nintendo, and Nintendo sort of looked at one another and said, <laughs> "This is a Kirby game, isn't it?" And they, He's got they a crown on. Full surprise no. on their face. No, of course it's. <laughs> Well, it's funny because Goodfeel, like as I say, as I said in the intro, that really you wouldn't necessarily know them um, as a gamer uh, for their work on such exciting titles as Training Words and Training Quiz and English Training and Training, uh, sorry, uh, Sense Training, Shape Space and Luxley's Lineup. Um, but they did do a Wario Land Shake It, uh, also known as the Shake Dimension, which came out on the Wii in two thousand and eight. Gorgeous graphics. Um, I've never actually played it. Me it's neither. one of those Wario spin-offs that I've not played. Have anyone played it? No. 
No, okay, no. so we, yeah. we cannot talk about, about that. It, but no, not yeah, it was quite well received. I, th- I remember when it first came out, people were saying, oh my God, this is the best 2D Mario game for ages. And then it kind of was like, actually, it's not that great. Wario, for me, suffers the same thing that Kirby does. That, that, that It looks really good and it probably plays really well. But for me, it's never like Wario Land 3 and 4. They're never hard enough to engage me all the way through. I'll play the first like, three levels and go, yeah, that's a Wario game. And then I'll turn it off, which is probably to my detriment. I should really... You know, play one all the way through. The, I mean, the, yeah. I mean, Wario's obviously. Uh, most of those games have been done by um, people like Intelligent Systems, mm. whereas this game was handled by a different team and uh, in in the shape of Goodfeel. And I think I could be wrong, but I have a feeling it's actually meant to be pretty hard uh, wow. as as Wario games go. But don't quote me on that. As I say, I've not played it, but I I remember people being surprised by its difficulty or maybe they were surprised it was really easy I can't remember the, the uh, reaction I remember was was when it was announced and Shake It was put on the end and that was just exactly the time where people were starting to yeah. get the idea when, that yeah. it was all shake and waggle and waggle was about it yeah so uh, I think the fact that it was more than that or perhaps surprising in some ways and how good it was really uh, made a little bit of a name for itself so, a good segue here is uh, this game, Kirby's Epic Yarn, directed by uh, Kentaro Sei, uh, has no waggle whatsoever. It, In fact, it uses very simple controls. Indeed, it uses NES-style controls. Mm. Yeah, so, the I, first I, thing... I put the game on today, and have, despite having played it through twice, I was still trying <laughs> to find the pointer on the screen to choose one player over two player, until I remembered <laughs> that, no, you turn it on its side and just use the D-pad in one and two, that's it. Well, I, I did do the thing as well. I put the nunchuck in before I'd started nope. the game. Not 100%. I was like, yep, here we go. No, lose the nunchuck. Yep, put the mess. Oh, wicked. Excellent. Yeah. Yep. Wow. It is a breath of fresh air to not be told to put the... Even though it tells you to put the wrist strap on, you're not going to because you're holding <laughs> it like a nest. Yeah. It, it just feels so good to... Even though it's not the... The Wii Remote isn't the best when it's held horizontally like because the B button feels a bit weird, and but it's still much better. You don't, than you don't need the B button in this. Yeah, but it it's always the there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's always there. It's a trigger and... underneath. It's in the way of your hand. So depending, uh, on how yeah, big I your suppose hands I just hold the I just hold the end by sort of by the the very tip. So I think the the thing I found odd was that they didn't allow you to use the classic controller on this. It is odd. Yeah, um, they, they it really seem to like make a... a choice and just stick with it. Nope, this is it. It's Wii yeah. Remote, really simple. Let's not yeah. confuse it. Y- yeah, I'm not sure why that is. Uh, the the only, I mean, the the classic controller and the classic controller pro pro are lovely controllers. Yeah. Um, I guess the the only advantage really would be that the uh, the D pad is is larger. But I mean, the D pad on the on the Wii remote is good, and and you only you only use buttons one and two. Mind you, I don't know why we're surprised by this because you, you go back and look at many of the the two D side scrolling platformers, like most of them are, are used control like that. So, well, it's yeah. I mean, New Super Mario Brothers. I remember used a control like that, doesn't it? So well, this is from this. This is a Kirby game, and they started on the Game Boy, which had a D-pad and two buttons. So it makes well, so it yes. makes perfect sense. But it makes perfect sense for it to be the same on the Wii, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, of course, there is a there is a sort of little subsection where you do actually point the remote at the screen, which is the uh, odd but quite fun flat decorating. Uh, <laughs> Which you you can do both for fun and also to unlock an extremely large chunk of the game, but we'll talk about that later. Mm. So, uh, 
we're not going to go into the story. There's very little to it. It's it's very you know very child friendly. The story uh, Kirby gets whisked away to a magical land that's made of yarn instead of uh, the place where he normally lives, uh, Dreamland. Um, and there's a nasty wizard um, threatening to do bad things, and you have to defeat him. That's all you need to know, really. Now, I believe, um, depending on your region, your story will be told to you by one of seven different narrators in different languages. Obviously, there's a Japanese one and an American one um, for most of our audience. I know we do have listeners abroad, but uh, mostly UK listeners. Uh, you'll be listening to the tones of a man called... Is it Richard Vaughan? Paul Vaughan. Mm-hmm. Paul Vaughan, sorry. Paul mm. Vaughan. Uh, so b- back at the time when this came out, this was uh, extremely charming and there was a certain amount of uh, discussion as to who this who this fellow was. Um, and I did a bit of research back at the time and uh, recent uh, Kane and Rince guests in Ankuba wrote a little blog about it. Um, the fact that this uh, gentleman has done various uh, narrating jobs over the years for Panorama and things like that, but... Hilariously, uh, and I'll quote Sinan here, Paul Vaughan has narrated both Kirby's epic yarn and its polar opposite, bizarrely linked by punnery, 1984 shock mockumentary Threads. That's kind of amazing. <laughs> so uh, people of a certain age may remember Threads, which was a BBC uh, yeah, mockumentary stroke drama uh, uh, based around the nuclear ap- apocalypse, um, gave... Millions of people nightmares, especially children who stayed up late to watch it, uh, featured uh, nuclear bombs going off near Sheffield. Um, People basically, uh, it it was supposed to be very accurately researched um, and uh, it had people wetting themselves when they saw the bomb go off and it ended up with a mutant baby and it was really, really fucking dark and grim and it's worth checking out on uh, YouTube. Mm. I I think the whole thing's on there. But yes, Threads, ironically. So here's this man now doing a very chummy, charming um, voiceover in the style of a sort of Jack and Ori newsreader for Kirby's Epic Yarn telling the story and I think it's very sweet. I think the the thing that struck me the most, and I remember trying to work this out with Sinan at the time, although again, I'd forgotten it until I put it in today. Um, today, to find out his name, I did exactly the same thing because I'd, I'd forgotten that Sinan wrote about it. Um, uh-huh. I went to the credits, looked through, and the voice cast, you're right, there are seven names, although I think those might be the names for the PAL region only on our oh, you're Right, okay, so various so, European, yeah. 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 Mm. And the only one that looks sort of straight up British, if you like, like a uh, anglicised name, is Paul Vaughan. So that's how this was worked out. It's not actually listed as narrator. It's just it's just um, voice no. cast. But this is the the only guy doing the voices in the game, aside from the odd sound effect for for the characters. He puts on the voices and the cutscenes and and yeah. literally does a proper audiobook style narration. And Jack and Ori, I think, is exactly the way I'd describe it as you just have. And it's not it's not on his IMDb credits, so whether that's his decision or not, or somebody else's, I don't know, because um, IMDb t- does tend to be pretty uh, comprehensive for listing uh, game work. So. It, it's funny actually coming into this later. Um, it it reminded most well, me mostly of a little big yeah. planet. Uh, and Stephen Fry's narration over the top and unfortunately I don't think it compared particularly as grand as Stephen Fry's narration so I felt maybe a little bit disappointed it was very whimsical for sure but I was like oh man I wish Stephen Fry was doing this it would be so much better I'm I'm completely opposite I I love Stephen Fry on Little Big Planet but we'll get into this on each of the different parts we want to talk about Kirby I think there's probably good reason to compare it to Little Big Planet 
Mm-hmm. I think this narration fits perfectly because it's a bedtime story, and I think what they do with this game th- that makes it similar to Little Big Planet actually works better in this game than it does in Little Big Planet. And unlike Little Big Planet, it's actually fun to play. <laughs> oh, controversial. <laughs> but I agree. <laughs> yeah, well, it's slightly less scope than, yeah, than uh, Little Big Planet, yeah. to be fair. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, without any of that side. Although of it gets its difficulty correct compared to Little Big Planet. Yeah, I mean, if Little Big Planet, uh, you could make as the levels of Little Big Planet, but it had the playability of Kirby's Epic Yarn. Then, then you'd have a mm-hmm. game, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I like as as James says, I like Stephen Fry's work on LBP very much, but I'm really pleased that they went for somebody more obscure. So I, I wasn't immediately going, oh, stunt casting, that's Stephen Fry. There's there's old avuncular Stephen Fry from the telly. Um, this was like this actually made me, it did make me think of old sort of seventies animations and stuff. Yeah, but but it's so whimsical that it's kind of it almost. Although the game is is very cute, I mean, it's, it's, let's not get past that. It it kind of almost stood out for me as unnecessary in some respects. I mean, I, I wasn't playing it as a bedtime story. It just was like, okay, there's this weird story segments between, and because the story is utterly bizarre about Kirby going inside somebody's you know somebody's sock, which is weirdly placed on middle of the the king's crutch, which is b- <laughs> was bizarre. Is he doing that? Um, I don't know. My wife was like, that's just wrong, right? Um, <laughs> But I don't know. I just I didn't feel any any love necessary towards the story. For, so the necessary the narration wasn't anything particularly that that grabbed me. I just thought, well, that's that's kind of cute. But it's a first, I believe, for a Kirby game. So. Oh yeah, no, I th- I thought I thought it was genuinely uh, excellent, and I, I assume it. You know, it was it seemed to be sort of cleverly aimed towards both, you know, people like me, too old for the game, and also for a potential <laughs> child audience. Yeah, for me, it struck a real vein of nostalgia for... Yeah, absolutely. Even I was much older than a child when Teletubbies was around, but even in that kind of way, and not annoying like Teletubbies can be, but in the the way that you can sort of understand the adults who bizarrely enjoy Teletubbies. And I certainly got a sense of nostalgia, sort of, as I've said, Jack and Ori-style nostalgia from, from this, but could see that its ease and its cuddly characters and the simplicity of the story, but also the bizarreness of the story because i give the story a bit more credit than i think probably it sounds like the rest of you do Hmm. it's very simple but it's it it made me laugh you know the fact that there's a tomato sitting on top of a bush and kirby tries to swallow it it turns out it's a metamato and yin yarn banishes him to yeah to um patchland because of it it's just weird and wacky but kind of wonderful and whimsical at the same time Mm, yeah it's very quirky sort of yeah absolutely and it reminded me of a, an old cartoon called Stop It and Tidy Up, like because yeah. it's, just, it's just so wacky. And there's a narrator. I think yep. Terry Wogan done the narration he did. for that guy. He did, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it Quite just right. sort of... I don't know why I've got those two linked, but I think because like, Stop It and Tidy Up was just weird. <clears throat> and when I see Kirby <laughs> sucking in this metamata that's attached to the the king, I think it is, he just sort of like... Well, yeah, like I just put the two two together and it just reminded me of that and transported me back to late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, a bit earlier than that for me, but yes, uh, James, I apologise for dismissing the uh, the story with with a with a disregarding sweep because yeah, you're right, it it is it does have a certain amount of charm for me, but yeah, I think it was the narration that that sealed it for me. It, obviously, Tony feels differently. Um, so yeah, Kirby starts off as regular Kirby in the opening cutscene, such as it is. Uh, this is not a game filled with. Uh, spectacularly expensive CGI. The cutscenes are relatively uh, simple, uh, some kind of cell animation, I guess you could call it. 
Uh, but Kirby then does get transported via this sock into Patchland and becomes a thread version of Kirby. Now this takes away, the, the concept being that this takes away his regular abilities, as we say, his usual multiple floaty jump and his sucking up abilities. Uh, and instead, he can still turn into a weight, which I guess doesn't make a lot of sense, uh, um, and var various other handy platforming abilities he get, even as so far as he can transform, much like uh, Yoshi did in Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island, into various vehicles to uh, navigate through certain levels. Yeah. Um, so before we get on to more of the gameplay, uh, yeah, let's talk about those graphics um, because I think they're the kind of the star of the show in many ways. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. It's it was the, like most websites had it down as best graphics of 2010, and you know it might not be the most graphics and polygons ever, <laughs> but it's you can't help but just love it. I've been watching YouTube videos of it today, and he immediately just start grinning because it it just. Uh, it just hits, like we said earlier, it hits back home like when you watch cartoons as a kid. And it just looks so charming. It's a real triumph for for design over pure graphical grunt. It really is. It's just mm -hmm. about the way they design the characters. They look, I mean, they don't look like someone's literally created them out of yarn, but that's the feel you get from them. They look quite real in that way and not like someone's just drawn something for your entertainment. You know, it feels like there's some craft to it. Um, and yeah, sure, the Wii doesn't output at 1080p and you know really crisp graphics, but a bit like Super Mario Galaxy, if you design a game to look good, it kind of doesn't matter because you've designed it well enough. It's the same with Riven Teng uh, Tengoku or Heaven or Paradise, wherever you're from. Mm. Like having it on the Wii, I know this isn't that show, but having that on the Wii, I'd rather take full screen Riven Heaven than you know the best polygons in the world because yeah, like, the Wii can look amazing when people want it to. Even just pulling the, the case out of the, the drawer today, as soon as I picked it up to, to just go downstairs and put it in the Wii for five minutes, I looked at the cover and just big smile on my face. Yeah, Just absolutely. it's got that sort of charm to it, I think. Yeah, I think, because you know, uh, Little Big Planet does have uh, assets within it which are uh, sort of crafted in a similar way in that they are made out of um, you know, textures, hessian and felt and all this stuff that mm -hmm. that features in in Kirby um and it and they are much higher resolution textures but it it may look more realistic but it doesn't look better and that's that's the crucial thing like Kirby's uh, sorry little big planet is a, is a fine looking game don't don't get me wrong but Kirby's epic yarn the the thing is their commitment to this concept is absolutely thorough as well so for instance when you're on a, a seaside level the lens flare is all made out of thread, stuff like that. <laughs> when you're on sand, when you're on a, a, a quicksand, it's done. The animation is done by as if somebody's unpicking knitting, like pulling mm -hmm. a thread. Uh, and the rain is water is uh, you know water is made out of thread. Yeah. Um, waterfalls are made out of thread. Uh, platforms are made out of felt and stitching. It's stunning. You'd also think it would be too much, like. Quite often, if you take that that design and and push it all the way, like everything in this game needs to be made out of thread, then you'd expect there'd be some sort of clashes as well along the way. Like, oh, well, that doesn't necessarily sit against that background. But they go to painstaking details to really do different contrast between stuff, so everything can be picked mm. out. Like buttons can clearly be picked out against thread, and a wall can be picked out from cotton, stuff like that. And I think the star of the show for me mm. um, is how they actually. Uh, 
make the the environment itself a character. So you know, obviously you have uh, Kirby himself as the character, but really, you know, the level itself is built just as much as characters. So like Leon was saying, like the waves are crashing onto the beach, which is Fred's being sewn into the beach and then back out again. But um, you know, the way that you can actually interact with the environment. So you've got pull tags which you can rip yeah. off, which you know discover bits underneath or uh, zips that run along so you pull these zips and you know that goes all the way across and as you get to the very end the zip breaks and bang along you know cascades down like this little mountain will cascade down the side which then you can traverse up stuff like that they they go the full way and then just to kind of break the full fall in in that in well in some respect is to um let you go behind the scenery so you go behind these levels and you you start working your way up you know platforms behind the scenery and you can see little Kirby himself pushing behind yeah. making <laughs> right a little lump of the yeah. Bulge, yeah. Yeah. that is so cute um, yeah. yeah and you can see but they just fully commit to yeah, it don't they exactly. and you can see the stitching of the platform so when you can't see Kirby you can see where he can go by the idea that they've sewn in these platforms on the other side of the of the felt castle that yeah. you're climbing up or whatever mm-hmm. just incredibly good it makes your heart melt it's ridiculously it really does. beautiful yeah the 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 um, pull cords that you're referring to, Tony. I love the fact that it's like it's a loose thread on a piece of clothing. Yeah. So you pull it, and the material bunches. And you wrinkle it up. The, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just as the thread breaks, the material falls away because you've pulled all the thread out. It's just such attention to detail, like like something like Little Big Big Planet, but obviously in the Kirby universe. I at the very beginning of the game, the first moment he goes into um, Patchland, um, he lands on the grass. And I love the quote. Obviously, it's being read by Paul Vaughn, but mm-hmm. Kirby's response is, this grass feels funny. It feels like trousers. And yeah. you look at the grass and you think, yeah, <laughs> it, it doesn't look like grass. And it's not just that's because that's what it looks like because that's the best they could do for grass. It looks like it's made out of trousers. And some of the materials, even if you've got material next to one another that maybe of a similar color, the weave's different or it looks slightly different or the stitching goes in a different way and it just tells you that where the layers are where you can land where you can and it's it's got a lot of detail in it yeah actually one thing i i should have mentioned while we were talking about the narration is the localization is also really good and i i again i assume that the fact that they went with uh they you know they went to the trouble of having seven different european narrators and i suspect that they also took a similar amount of trouble over the localization so that there are little gags which sound right when when the the english narrator is saying them and i and i bet you that's the same in other languages yeah i, I don't know how they've done this but they've made all those environmental interactions really satisfying i can't quite put my finger on it when you put in the zip to reveal mm. like the underneath of a castle it will drop away from the the, the level like mm-hmm. the the tension between you and you know the, the castle as you're pulling it is it just feels so right the noise and the little uh, bit of rumble little bit of sound effects yeah. little bit of feel yeah we we haven't actually said the main the main way of interacting with everything is pressing the one button which uh, you have a whip with a little star on the end yep. and that is your main way of interacting with everything other than obviously jumping and walking so other adorable uh, animations as as you're uh, navigating uh, if you dash with a double tap in the sort of uh, fighting game style like in golden axe so a tap and then a hold of in one direction you turn into a little car and every time you do that 
it goes beep beep and that's <laughs> fantastic uh when you jump your little red thread feet turn into a spring of course um if you hold down the jump button on your way back down you turn into a little parachute and your little red thread feet are a bow and that is adorable as well <laughs> uh a traditional kirby ability is to uh, become a weight and slam things below you either to open up new areas or to attack uh, enemies um and again, makes a very satisfying dump when he hits the ground, and just that, just the right amount of rumble in the in the Wii remote. Um, even more adorably, whenever you go in the water, you turn into the, the dinkiest little submarine. Uh, <laughs> you get little propeller. Little propeller. Yeah. You get to um, you can hang on a, a a button in the landscape and become a little swinging bauble. Uh, yeah, and and then it, there's the vehicle levels as yeah. well, which there are there are a whole bunch of different things you get to turn into. It's really odd, actually, doing some research for this. Um, I just showed you guys a trailer that I came across, which was Kirby's Adventure, which is the Japanese trailer for the Kirby Adventure game back in 1993 on the NES. Um, it, it this this game looks nothing like this trailer, but this trailer has almost identical look to what we're playing in Kirby's Epic Yarn. Is Kirby in this little ball of fluff? Um, what he's doing here is, of course, his trademark sucking them into his body rather than whipping him and kind of pulling the threads apart and ki- well, I want to say killing him, just dismantling him. Um, but it, it is shockingly similar. It's uh, yeah, it's stop frame animation and it looks like a proof of concept for a game that came out 19 years, uh, sorry, 17 years, uh, 18. Yeah, a long time later. <laughs> so, how did Goodfield come up with the concept of the yarn look then if this trailer was done? Oh, is it coincidence, or did they see guess, this trailer back in the day? It's, well, it's they weird. weren't making a Kirby game, were yeah, they? If so the character I, was already Prince Fluff. That's kind of in keeping with the nature of it being a textile-based, hmm. thread-based, yarn-based, if you like. Mind you, I was going to say maybe this was in the, the the back locker of Nintendo, but if this isn't necessarily that Nintendo charged them to get on and do, but who knows? Because obviously they went off to make this game, and but I believe Nintendo were funding whatever they were doing before they had a design change. Yeah. So maybe there were some elements left back from this. But it, it's just funny to see a concept that looks almost identical from 18 years previous, yeah. whether it even has any any you know tangible link to what we see today. So the thing, um, the thing I quite liked was um, correct me if I'm wrong when. You press one for your whip and you whip an enemy. If you let it go, he'll just sort of whip the enemy into loose threads and it'll fall on the ground. Yeah. But if you hold mm-hmm. it, he actually pulls the enemy back into himself as if he was sucking the enemy in almost. Yeah, you turn into a the animation, you turn into a sort of spinning top and you kind of wind it in like a ball of yarn. And then you have a little enemy to throw about or a friend if you're playing in co-op. Um, and that will, you can use it to throw at other enemies uh, if you properly uh, kill uh, other enemies by hitting one into the other you actually get a few beads which is the currency of the game and the high score uh, measurement system Uh, and yeah that that become also opens up areas certain blocks need to be destroyed and in fact on the later levels if you're going for all the secret items and the high scores you have to be careful about which item which enemies you grab and throw where although the ones that you need will of course regenerate in a in a nintendo style uh, then before we go on to the, the main the structure of the game, uh, let's talk a little about the soundtrack.
so it's mostly composed uh, by Tomoya Tomita, who is uh, re more recently with Goodfeel, having worked for years and years and years with Konami. He worked on uh, such classics, uh, games and soundtracks, as Gradius, Parodius, Gambare, Goemon, Castle Castlevania, uh, Dracula X, and uh, various other Castlevanias, actually, Circle of the Moon. Um, quite a lot of sort of high profile uh konami stuff iss deluxe mm -hmm. uh and various others so uh it's mainly his music but of course uh when you go to dreamland in particular um the music is reworked by him from the original artists who are hirokazu ando uh, and jun ishikawa chiefly i believe did most of the kirby music not not entirely sure i must admit but um those those are the three people credited on on the game uh, i don't know which of those is responsible for the classic kirby tunes such as green greens um that you've heard many times in smash brothers and dreamland and mm -hmm. and all the others yeah i th i think those are ishikawa's i i believe those are ishikawa's work so fair play to him but here so uh, Tomita San uh, takes these tunes and turns them into a sound which matches the aesthetic. Yeah, almost perfectly. It's it, some games you hear the music and you look at the visuals. You're like, well, you know, it doesn't really match up. Um, but with this game, like you couldn't you couldn't tell them apart. Like if, if if this was played in front of you or on an iPod or something, you'd know instantly where it came from. It's got the um, you know, it's got the the CITV feel to it, if you know what I mean. It's got that, like... I don't it's know better than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I just, what I mean is it just, it just feels right with the texture, like, you know, the, the craft style aesthetics. It's a lot of piano. The piano mm. is probably the main instrument. Would that be fair? Yeah. It... There's, there's also some muted trumpets and... There's some harp in there as well. There's some... All sorts of bits in there. It's it's um it's one of those things which I mean the game throughout anyway it puts this huge smile on your face. So a lot of it's contextual to the environment you're in. There's uh, a musical uh, section you play in, um, and the music fits almost perfectly between what you're doing on the screen and what's playing through the soundtrack. So there's there's that's the one I believe. There's harp music as you swing past harps and keyboards. And play those yeah, tunes. and the yeah. funny thing is, like I was playing some of those uh, music levels. They, they, weirdly, they form part of the. Uh, the treat world which also includes the also traditional mm -hmm. sweets and cakes level and i was thinking as i was running across these keyboards and notes were coming out i was thinking i've done this so many times in games uh i've done it in world of illusion which is a game we'll be covering soon on cane and rinse done it in uh obviously more recently in rayman origins and uh it's such a, a classic platform trope and then that's that's actually true of so many of the bits of kirby obviously it's in increasingly hard to do a mechanic of platform that hasn't been done before or a, or, or a style of platform that has never been done in a game but I didn't care and the fact that it's the fact that it's got the the whole patchy land uh, patch land quilted sewn hand-drawn craft aesthetic just made all of those traditional things feel fresh and new yeah I was um on, on that sweet land as well I was I was playing through and just basically I Liz turned around to me and said why are you smiling? And it's because there was there was this tune was it went like da na na da na da na, and I don't know between the the the, the tune playing That's through a my great mind, tune. it is a great tune. I'm not sure we'll play it and do it far better than I can. <laughs> but the tune playing on mind and me bouncing on soft squidgy oh, cakes, I love it. oh, and it's just like this this 
overdoseness of cute, maybe, but it didn't matter. It was it. I was saying to you, Lena, how it um it kind of reminded me of the first time I ever played Super Mario uh, World. I think it when I saw it on mm. SNES, this you know, big bright colours and Mario never looked you know as good as that before. Mm. And it, it took me kind of back to my twelve year old self. I'm going to guess that's when I played it. But yeah, it was like this weird moment of going back to my childhood, yeah. um, which I can't say too many games have ever really done in, in a very long time but yeah just a huge smile on my face just the, between the combination of the you know the visual and the audio treats and literally the treats on the screen um yeah just completely like wow my god yeah, i love those levels um that again that reminds me of uh, cast of illusion starring mickey mouse zool uh zool yep good good call <laughs> uh which was a sh- shockingly poor game yeah. but uh had great sweet levels and james pond 2 robocod which also yeah. had uh sweet based mm-hmm. areas and every single time wh- whether i was playing those games as uh, a teenager or now as uh an, should we say early middle-aged man um <laughs> they still do almost the same job of transporting me back to childhood and as you get older although it's harder to do harder to remember those feelings you appreciate it all the more when anything comes close to doing that uh the, the thing yeah. that struck me about this was it didn't feel like and here's our sweet level it felt mm. like or rather it didn't feel like here's the sweet level it felt like here's our sweet level you know it really mm. felt like them it it was all mm-hmm. patchwork it all made sense and the cutscene at the end of it is kirby and prince fluff finding a big cake yep <laughs> and eating it <laughs> and eating to the it. point where both of them have tummy ache and it's just that's such <laughs> a silly little thing but it just feels like no this is you know yes they're in patch world but they're all made of patch everything's made of but- patch including the food and mm. it just felt like this little throwaway thing, but um, it still looks so delicious, even though it's made yeah, of material. Absolutely. That's the thing. <laughs> but it, but it's weird. Did you not kind of get the feeling like should I be playing this? No, I, never. I, I just it was at that point I was like, oh, and now they're eating the cake. Like at some point I'm expecting somebody to come in the room and like, what are you doing? But it it would at no point would it have uh, would I have cared because it was like this is just so charming. I mean, such a joy, joy. No, well. and and I do wonder if other people having those feelings is why. Like we've actually struggled to get um, feedback and stuff for this game, and I, I think it's I think it's probably again one that's terribly underplayed. And I think some people, because you know, gamers and the kind of circles we move in, uh, a lot of people tend to be male, and they tend to be in their at least late twenties, as anywhere through their thirties, maybe into their forties. And there's a kind of stigma about playing this kind of game, but to me, like I think it take it, it's it's just as every bit as mature to enjoy something like this as it is another fucking over the shoder gritty grey and brown blood based <laughs> shoot 'em up. Yeah, the thing I don't get is there's a lot of people that sort of age, and a lot of people that we're friends with have kids, Absolutely. and therefore have a perfect excuse to play this without. Yeah, I don't have it. kids. Yeah, and, so I'm... and this has got co-op as well. So yeah. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a Wiimote with a D-pad and two buttons. It couldn't get simpler. Yeah, but you're talking mm-hmm. about people like ignoring this game because you know they feel like they should be playing, you know, the bigger, grittier games. I think I've been a victim of that. Like, in, from you know my really? teens to now, it's like I'm not playing Kirby because it's too easy. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to play Mario World and get to the special levels because that's hard and challenging. Well, they're but, cutesy too. I mean, but yeah, yeah, but like they'll offer me some sort of challenge. But th- you saying yeah. that, like, I'd. Maybe I should play some more Kirby games and just chill out and not not expect to be kicked in the nuts every time I play a platform game. Well, we'll, we'll come on to the whole difficulty thing, and and I did, did want to talk to you about this because you are known. A lot of your favourite games of recent times have been uh, sort of you know on the the complete other end of the difficulty mm. scale. Um, 
let's talk about the the sort of overall game structure. There there is a little more to talk about than there are a bunch mm-hmm. of worlds and you go through the levels and that's it. There's slightly more to it than that. So uh, there are a bunch of worlds, each with a different theme. <laughs> uh, there are seven worlds. Seven worlds, desert, fire, space, uh, grass, uh, snowy land, of course. Um, eventually you end up unlocking, this is a mild spoiler, but I'm sure it's fine. Uh, you end up unlocking dreamland, but oh. in thread form. Can't believe you said that. <laughs> that is Sorry. a mega spoiler, man. Well, yeah. We haven't actually given a spoiler warning because this game probably doesn't need it. But I don't nah. think so. No, <laughs> I, I didn't feel like it did. Um, and and you'll have seen if you do just play through the story, you will uh, see most of it within about six or seven hours. Yeah. Uh, so, but each level in a in a Nintendo style has um, some secrets to unlock. Every level has three items to find and collect, which are hidden away, often very interestingly and inventively, sometimes more obviously than others. Uh, sometimes you have to do stuff to get to them. Sometimes it's a case of just finding, you know, a secret path. Uh, there's also a medal system, which is got for collecting beads. Now, the beads look absolutely gorgeous and delicious as well and they make you want to collect them because they're so pretty. Um, there's little singular beads and all the way up to big shiny star beads Mm -hmm. and they add to your medal total which is ongoing uh the system actually and the gentleness of the game and the uh the sort of aesthetic all remind me as much of anything Uh, another touchstone is yoshi's story on the n64 Mm -hmm. this is not yoshi's island this is a very different game which came after um had a different producer and was quite controversial because people were expecting or hoping for another super mario world game but in fact it was a very different sort of score attack based game uh which it was quite difficult to die and uh, it was very whimsical and very cutesy and a lot of people had a lot of problems with it and I think this game if it has a, a cousin this is, this is probably it um, it's all about getting to the end with as many beads as possible um, you also get you get more beads based on the number of the three items you collect so even if you've collected them already which has a, a bearing on what happens outside of the level you want to collect them again because each one adds 100 beads to your total and you're trying to get a high score you're also trying to get the streak which is the number of beads you get in a row without getting hurt which you can drop off the bottom of the level occasionally and more, more so as the game goes on you can get hit by uh, waddle and waddle throwing arrows at you um, there's also uh, at the end there's a, a sort of wheel of fortune um, where you can add further beads to your score, but you actually have a, a control over how many beads you get in that, in that there are tokens to collect throughout the level which uh, add pieces to your Wheel of Fortune and give you a higher chance of getting a higher amount of beads, right? Yeah. Okay. To 200, 300, That's or 500 right, beads. Yes. This is really grand level design for me, or a difficulty design for me from, from Nintendo, because, I mean, on the face of it, it's as easy as you want this game to be, because you can't actually die. Nope. You can just bumble your way through this game, and all, all what happens is once you've lost all your beads, you get this kind of angel fairy Angie. that just picks you up and yeah, and just gently puts you back on the level and off you go so a tap on the back off you go enjoy enjoy get to the end and that's all you need to do but if you're somebody that's actually asked for a challenge and I, and I don't necessarily you know, nobody's going to compare this to the, the most hardest Mario games or Super Meat Ball or anything like that but there is a fair amount of challenge in needing to get all the bees to get gold at the end so in the in the later like worlds you, there definitely is yeah there, yeah it's straight from it is, but there like we were saying about the the two three hundred or five hundred bead um, tokens which you get, which are basically just badges mm. in the world. Now you could quite easily avoid them and try to collect all the beads and get to the very end, and you know, and still get gold because it seems like the gold cutoff is 
not horrendous. It's not too bad. No. But that basically means that you have to play through the entirety of the level without being hit mm. once, um, which isn't that easy. Like there, there is challenging. There's challenging platforms, and there is uh, different things throwing spears at you, so you can quite easily be hit. And you, once you get hit, it's a bit like Sonic. You lose all these things and flying yeah. at your body. So you're trying to you're trying to push between collecting stuff and finding these little uh, tokens in the environment as well because you know 500 B token is is quite a big deal. But bear in mind, you, there's no guarantee you'll even get that at the very end because you have to pull use your your star pull and pull this chain at the end, and it may land on that square or it may not, depending yeah. on how good you are. It's a great difficulty curve between what you want to do and whether you just want to play the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just you know as a kid almost or. Somewhat of more of a it challenge. It reminded me of Rayman Orange. Oh, oranges or? Oh, I've said it, and I. <laughs> it's <God>. oranges. Oh. <laughs> it's oranges. Anyway, Lemons it, coming it, soon. It's the same problem. Like that, that meter at the top, it does let you know how many gems you've got, like to go to, for the goal. But it doesn't really represent like how many you actually need to collect for it to fill up. If that makes any sense, like it's mm. a percentage that's arbitrary within each level, and it's sort of the similar similar situation with the, the, the looms or loom. Yeah, looms. Looms, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stupid names. And um yeah, I never knew how well I was doing within the level until I got to the end and I was like, Oh mm. I need to go True. back and, or start again. I, I always based it on get everything. Yeah, it's cause... designed around replay, isn't it, as well. So you can you can even get a wood medal for, for getting virtually nothing. Um it's quite hard to avoid getting a bronze medal, even even on the later levels. But yeah, I think for gold you basically as Tony says, you just have to make sure you don't miss anything and don't get hit on the later levels it's pretty easy to bumble through and get gold on the first few worlds though it is you know and this is a game where the final boss is easier than most games first bosses but saying that i did i i lost gold a couple of times by just being too eager to get something in the distance which was going to be a pain and you know one or you know trying once or twice i would die and then lose half my beads and then finish level with silver and be like ugh. Kind of like disappointed, like, oh, okay, fine. Am I going to replay this? I guess I'm going to replay this. I felt really intimidated by that bar at the top when you get to the end of the level. You're like, oh, no, I'm so close to the gold, and do I go back, <laughs> or do I not? Like, that, that bar, it's just like, well, it's just like when I was in school and the teacher was just watching over my shoulder, like, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> but the games, it's you know, the whole thing is based around it being friendly and rewarding. Every time you get a medal, you get a cheer and a round of applause, which yeah. is something that Nintendo have been doing in games for a few years now. Uh, and you know, even if you finish a level, um, now one of my favourite things about Kirby in all Kirby games is the dance. Kirby's end of level, <laughs> I've just done something good. Dance. He does it in Canvas Curse. He does it in Dream Course. He does it in his own games. There are lots of different dances. Uh, I think there's certain uh, random element to which one it chooses, but there's also uh, you get more of a dance depending on how well you've done. Um, but you still get a dance even if you haven't done very well because you've completed the level. So well done. Um, but the the dance and the tune and the the fact that he does a, a sort of in in other games it, it, there's sort of multiple Kirby's, but in this game it's just him and Prince Fluff doing a little routine, and every time it makes me grin from ear to ear it's weird when you're playing it single player and Prince Slough suddenly beats yeah. from nowhere and starts doing this dance like, where, the, where the hell have you been the entire time when you're playing co-op I don't know you both look at each other and go oh and then start jigging your legs yes. around like Kirby would yeah do. we actually I did play a bit of co-op with uh, Tanya my partner and we did say like because we, we've said we'll, we'll never get married but how awesome would it be if we were to get married <laughs> that all we did the only ceremony was do a Kirby dance to that music and then just walk out <laughs> yeah I'd yeah. like to see that yeah, the end of levels reminded me a bit of, I don't know, something like Peggle maybe once the music kicks in for that. It's just 
controller oh, joy thing, smile yeah. on the face. Yeah, just yeah. It, it just strikes a chord, you know, in, in the way that and Nintendo are classic for doing it. They just know how to make you smile. And we've talked about the bar up the top that measures how well you're doing, but it's not a bar, is it? It's a piece of thread across the top that the beads get threaded onto. <laughs> China just, beads, yeah. It's such a silly little thing, but just hearing you guys talk about it, I thought, I honestly didn't mind how many beads I had on there. I just liked the fact that it was a thread with some beads on. They do some really neat stuff with the bees as well. Like in certain levels, there'd be grapes yes, hanging from trees. Yeah. So on the shapes of grapes, you jump into, or there'd be wisps of clouds that you you know you you go around, or you know lead you in in you know in typical game design, they will lead you in the direction that they want yep. you to travel, or you'll spot them in the very corner and think, hang on a minute. <laughs> I'm going right, and that thing's on the left. Like, how do I get there? And you'll spend 20 minutes going up and down, exploring mm-hmm. the the whole environment just to try to work out that one route, and then losing most of your beads in the process. But the second mm. time, oh yes, <laughs> you know where that and is. And I think I think throughout the the, the levels, I think uh, what so there are, are there 36 or around... I believe there's 50 in total. Well, I yeah, I think that's with the um the extras. No, the I mean the extras there's there's even more because I think there's a hundred stages of extra levels. I was actually going to talk about mm. this because people have been sort of slightly negative about the longevity of the game and I I think that's completely unfounded because if you play it properly, if you want to play it through for more than just your basic completion, there's a lot of I think there's a lot of game. But what I wanted to say before that was um I think the actual level design of nearly all the levels in the game is excellent. You know, ev- every single sub-level of every world is impeccably well designed they're all really good fun um they've all got jumps some of them as i say it starts off very gently indeed but later on they it slowly ramps up the challenge um and yeah there's so much to see so many secrets to explore so many fantastic uses of the graphics that I'm now because I've now been playing through it again and going for golds on the the medals uh, on the levels that I didn't get golds on before just starting up some of the levels again and going wow this one's so cool I'd forgotten how cool this one was <laughs> well I, I'll run through the names of them so people can get a general idea of what you're actually going to be playing and, and maybe we can talk about some of the bosses which um, actually come at the end of those because they're the highlight of the game sometimes um, so you, Quality Square which is how you start that's kind of like your Quilty. top world that's where you get Quilty even Sorry, no it's Quilty like a, like a yeah, quilt okay. no yeah I get it <laughs> yeah. so Quilty Square which is basically your hubland um, which contains your house which if you can collect the stickers within the environment you get two stickers on every level which unlocks certain items in your house which you can then decorate kind of fun you can actually build your house make it bigger and actually buy more stuff from the stores and different carpets and well you actually decorate other flats what it is so you've got you've got a a flat in this apartment block um Mm -hmm. but as you as you collect the stickers and you decorate other people's flats they move in and that's how you unlock the sub games which we'll come back to uh, grassland, which is your typical hey, look, gentle, opening yeah. environment. Yes. I've said gentle. Uh, hotland, so volcanoes, fiery environment. Lava world. Uh, yes, treats land, which is and music. So much, ah, uh, so beautiful. <laughs> that's, I think that that's yeah, my favourite one favorite out of too. Although the next uh, one is also awesome. Uh, yeah. No, the go on. <laughs> Waterland. That was my favourite, simply because when you unlock a level in that, there's like a little hoop in the in the sky. And various water animals would leap out and literally slink their way through this mini hoop. And then a massive whale would literally just collapse himself <laughs> just to fit through this hoop and land in the water again. I was like, this it, game's magic. And you get to be a dolphin. Yeah, so it does have one of the best transformation, which is you getting to be a dolphin. Echo-style uh, controls as well. Yeah, running through hoops, which make ting noise every time you go through them. And then you can actually jump out the water in Echo Dolphin style and slam yes. back down again. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> 
Slippy Slide Ice World, always a favourite. It's like the Nintendo staple. Kirby actually skates along slippy platforms as well. He does skating animation, which is superb. That's another sort of Mario Galaxy thing, where in Mario he was skating on the ice, and in Mario Galaxy 2 there was a really good sweet land. And just mm. thinking about it now, like there's definite um, sort of similarities there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Space Land, mm-hmm. which they... They introduce some sort of gravity yeah. mechanics in. Not extreme, although there are various but, levels yeah. throughout the game where one of the vehicles you tr- uh, change into is a, a flying saucer, where you get to mm-hmm. uh, suck enemies and gems up and have a big s- explode attack, which is very good fun. And it's Spaceland, the le- the world or the land with a level where there's like audio waveforms or electric going around in circles. I remember that level being quite tricky actually to, to maintain all your beads. Like mm-hmm. you would, you would stand on this sort of like electrical sort of line yeah, is, and. Yeah. Uh, a little bolt of electricity will come circling around. Yeah, I remember that one being quite tricky, actually. Yeah, by by that point, you've got a lot more timing-based stuff in where you can, you have to make two or three jumps in quick succession, and it's not hard, but it's not hard to get through, certainly. But yeah, mm. if you want to keep all your gems, it starts getting, or your beats, rather, it starts getting a little tough, certainly by Spaceland, if not before. And the, and the final one is Dreamland. Yeah. Uh, so... It's actually quite hard to come out of the bosses without getting a uh, a gold medal. <laughs> so I've never actually had to go back and do them again. Or may- maybe I did them at the time, I'm not sure. But uh, I've only gone back recently and done a couple of the bosses, so I could do with some uh, refreshers from you fellas. My favourite one is um, there's a magician, um, which has this big slot machine uh, with a pull lever, so you get three different cars that appear on the screen, and depending which ones he lands on is what uh, attack that he does, um, which made me, you know, it was quite good. I, I believe there's, it's like if big hats would fall, fall from the top of the screen, it'll be timing based of how to actually jump around them, and then I believe you pull uh, a cord on one of his hats and throw him across the screen. I found that a lot, uh, you know, a yeah, lot of a lot of the bosses have uh, a button somewhere on them, and you have to try and attach to that and pull it. To, and that's one of the stages that you have to go through to sort of bring them down. Um, I think the one for Hotland is a bird, isn't it? I want to say. Yeah, it's a big phoenixy sort yeah, of creature. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that, yeah. And then once you get towards the latter stages, uh, about halfway through the game, you get a cutscene, and Yin Yarn is still in Dreamland, and he is essentially going after the other two powerful characters still remaining in Dreamland, uh, who are King DDD and Meta Knight who yes. obviously I don't know from Kirby games, but I do know from Smash they are in and, They are in every, yeah, pretty much every Kirby game. Um, yeah. And uh, and so essentially, halfway through the game, he kidnaps King DDD and sends him to um, to Patchland, and therefore at the end of the level, he becomes a boss you have to fight. Um, and likewise, Meta Knight later on. Uh, is Meta Knight the boss for the space level, or am I misremembering? Oh, that sounds very feasible. I think he is. Um, and you have to fight Meta Knight. And it's not that these characters want to fight you. It's that they're being controlled by Yin Yarn. And when you when you beat them, mm. you essentially free them. Um, but we're getting on to the tail end story there, so I'll stop. So quite often before you get to um, the boss fights, you, you get to transform into different vehicles. Um, so, for instance, you can transform into a fire engine, which you can then squirt yarny blue <laughs> yarn at things and put out fires and stuff like that. Um, or like you previously mentioned, Leon, UFOs, which can float float around, suck people up into UFO, and then cause a huge electrical wave which breaks blocks and things around yeah. you. That fire truck to... levels, uh, or well, I can't remember if there's more than one, but I remember I, I did one of those in co-op the other night, and that's really good fun. 
the thread the thread water is beautifully done <laughs> um other highlights is that there's actually a shmup in this game um just like rayman utterly <laughs> yeah utterly bizarre the, the screen you know pans obviously to a, a shmup type of or you know side scrolling shooter um and you you start firing buttons from yeah. your spaceship towards uh, lots of the different enemies that are coming down towards the screen, and and just gems are flying everywhere. Yeah, it's sort of Gradius style, yeah. It it was quite a popular thing to do at the time, because like we said, Rayman, mm. but there was also Shadows of the Damned had that, um, and I want, well, Bayonetta had a few different things going on with odd levels that did uh, strange things, but Tarkin yeah, Two had a, a a load of shooter levels crammed in the middle of a action platformer that was a long time ago though yeah yeah but there was sort of a trend around sort of 2010 2011 mm. of, of putting that in just a side scrolling level um just to kind of break up whatever the general gameplay might long be. may it continue as a shooter yeah. fan <laughs> i would say a couple of them didn't work though a couple i didn't like was you could go onto a surfboard and and then have to jump and try to hit beads and oh, things I like at the right time I, I never got the timing mm. down 100%. It's it's weird in co-op um, because all the vehicle sections uh, give one sort of element of the controls to one of you and uh, some to the other. So like one of you, like in the tank, one of you's got the movement and the gun and the other one's got a fist uh, yeah. on the surfing. One of you does the jumping and one of you does the spinning. So uh, that takes a little bit of coordination. Um, it's one of those games where it can actually be harder on some levels to, to do it in yeah. co-op. Unless I'm misremembering, um, the tank, if you're on it solo, you don't get the fists. No, do I don't you? think you, you do. You just get no. the gun. So. No. But you um, get the um, motion-controlled uh, aiming, which which is actually really, really uh, accurate and sensitive, which is yeah. quite impressive. Yeah. Oh, is that the Robotnik-style, massive, bulbous-looking yeah. robot Yeah, that hovers? Yeah, we <laughs> say tank, it's really a ball with treads on the bottom of it. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah. But um, the worst one, I actually think, uh, to talk about some negative points, is there's a train section where you have to draw the train tracks well, that's with a, a bit Wii pointer. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, so you lay down the tracks, and the train's meant to follow it and collect all the gems, etc. But the tracks are normally shaky, horrible, the way that the Wii quite often does with the pointer on the yeah. screen. So the, the train keeps falling off and exactly not where you want it. And it, it yeah, it's a shame it doesn't quite work. I, I like the idea. You can get better at it with with yeah. practice. Uh, it takes once a while you... to work out exactly how you need to lay the tracks to keep the train on it, but still sort of move yeah. around the screen. So yeah, You have to think of it more as a platform than as a track. And once you think of it as a, as a platform that you're drawing, it becomes a lot easier. Hmm. When you think of it as an actual train track, it's really, seems really... Uh, Roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, track, yeah. More like. It's kind of like an inaccurate canvas curse, if if you yes. make that comparison. Like the stylus is a lot more suited to tracing lines and Kirby rolling around them. Yeah, you and it, it reminded me, like control. you said earlier, was um, Super Mario World Two Yoshi's Island when Yoshi turns into a train. Mm. That's it. Immediately took me back to Yoshi's Island, and I was like, this might be rubbish, but I quite like it. <laughs> so in the uh, hub. Uh, area that well, there, there's there's a place you can go off to and look at all your collected items songs cutscenes and all that but uh, there's also as i say this tenement block um i don't know if they're called flats in every region or whether that's just our, our uk localization i wonder if they're called apartments mm. in america and so on but i would think so no reason they wouldn't give yeah them they, they put trousers in there as opposed to pants or Yes, indeed. Yeah. So uh, there's also a couple of shops in uh, in in this hub where you can buy yet more items and stickers to to use in in the room. Eventually, they they sell out. I've now bought everything in in my shops. Uh, 
however, so collecting certain stickers from certain levels uh, and putting them in the uh, awaiting silhouettes in the particular flats opens up, uh, or it, basically it it hmm, it decorates these apartments so nicely that people want to move in. So the first person that moves in is a little character called Zeke, who then offers you the chance to play some mini games called Zeke Hide and Seek. So these, uh, whereas the main game, and this is another thing that makes the main game feel easy and relaxing and, and not necessarily very challenging, there is never any sort of time limit in, imposed upon you in, in Kirby's Epic Yarn until you get to these uh, extra levels. So Zeke's games, you have to find little five little characters in a remix section of one of the levels uh, in, in, a, in a time limit. Then uh, Beedrix moves in and you have to collect beads in a certain time. Then there's Carrie's transport levels, which are sort of escort. You actually have to throw her around onto platforms. These are almost uh, puzzle puzzle levels, really. Um, Buster, uh, which is killing enemies in, in a certain amount of time. And then there's uh, Mara, who you actually have to race from point to point. Now, I think, I'm not sure because I haven't got to the end of each one, but I think there are 20 of each level uh, for each character. So 20 remix levels. Uh, for each character makes 100 stages and I actually feel like having played through quite a few of these in the last few days this is almost like a, a completely valid legitimate challenging puzzle platform game in its own right just these mini games there's there's levels which are like levels from uh, the Xbox Live indie game Apple Jack where you have to actually work out which um, enemies you have to carry to certain screens to attack other enemies and there are the the race stages you definitely have to work out the optimum path on now even after sort of four or five levels each one has a difficulty rating they start off at one star basically falling off a log easy but even after four or five levels they're up to three stars and you're starting to look at uh, a, a number of retries before you get it right um, now I know that there's more than 10 on at least some of them because I've got past level 10 on some of them so I'm assuming it's 20 and based on the fact that I'm still on like 3 star difficulty I'm assuming that there are 20 levels for each one so the idea that this game isn't isn't big and challenging is not true if you investigate this side of it and I've gone from my original completion time of under 7 hours my game time is now 16 hours and a lot of it is spent getting gold medals and trying to beat these levels. Yeah, what I would say is anyone who thinks they they saw the credits and that's it done is kidding themselves because I played it through obviously when the game came out um, and I did, I don't know, maybe the first four or five of Zeke and Beedrix's levels. Mm. Um, and then when I came to play it in December, I, I came in just with the idea of just playing those levels and trying to up my completion percentage. But I didn't. I um, in the end, I wanted to see the story again, so I reset mm. it. Um, and I checked today; my completion time was like you, just under seven hours. Um, but my completion percentage, having done a couple of those challenge levels again, was sixty-eight percent. Mm. So the main story is going to get you to about sixty percent completion. Yeah. That alone tells you, even if you just assume, unlike a lot of Nintendo games, it's going to be a hundred percent completion, or certainly unlike Mario. Um, then that tells you you're only just over halfway through the game. So, 
Yeah, and the point with doing these extra levels is not, like, you do get a reward for completing every single one. You get a new fabric to decorate your house with, but that's not really the point. The point is actually completing all these levels. The challenge. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, in in a modern day like we have now, something like, I mean, this seems to me like Rayman Origins. Mm. You know, with that, I mean, I was chasing you know the further levels kind of based on achievements like okay well i've done the mainstay stuff but now there's this second tier of really hard stuff that you've got used to the mechanics you know can you do all the treasure runs you know the red teeth Mm. and then can you do the final levels which you know and to some people like they've seen the end credits and that's the end of the game but to me that was almost the start of the game because all the interesting stuff for me personally was a lot this interesting stuff was in the back half that game and then even beyond that the the speed trophies as well which is another step on mm. so yeah yeah, which um, is part of the mini games, isn't it? There is kind of timing-based stuff. Mm. Um, I haven't actually dug too far into that stuff. I, what I what I did do was finish the main game once through, um, and then go back to the, the those main worlds because there's still I think you do four levels per mm. world, and then you can move on to the next area. Um, yeah, I'd actually forgotten that. It, it that it makes it even easier to finish the game, as in see the yeah. end of the story. So, but yeah. So don't even need to complete the entirety of yeah. every level in don't do the that. world. You've you got just... to, I mean, to, you know, anyone listening to this who hasn't played this but now fancies it, make sure you play all the levels because you'll be missing some treats for sure. Yeah, so even if even if the completion time is around, I mean, I think mine was about seven hours because yeah. I was going out my way to pick up some bits. I mean, that's I think that's a, a good standard completion time, certainly for modern gamers with their fickle ADD, that's yeah. for sure. But, um, you know, there's another good couple, maybe two to three hours worth of going back into those levels and just redoing the levels, you know, either you know getting golds on them or actually doing the, t- the two levels which you made miffed. And then I'd say you're probably right that there's probably the same again, just doing the 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 challenge. I'm going to call it the challenge uh, mode because <laughs> that's yeah, what well, it seems to be. Yeah, really. I mean, it's, fi- it's kind of five sub-games, each with multiple levels. Mm-hmm. And I think once you add in those and the challenge they present and getting a gold on every stage and getting the three items on every stage i think you are you i mean my completion is now 83 percent and my game clock is about 16 hours so yeah, and minimum assuming, 20 hours i would think yeah and assuming that the last 17 percent is the hardest 17 percent maybe more yeah how, how hard is it to unlock all these mini games uh like in terms of you know getting all the bits and pieces into the uh, apartments or flats not, is not, it no not too hard no it even tells you which, um, if you go into the room of the occupant and have a look at the silhouette, if you then look at your items, uh, it it shows you which silhouettes are on which levels, so you even know which uh, sub-levels to go back to and dig out the secret items to populate those flats. Mm, and that, that's another um, <laughs> Little Big Planet thing there, because obviously in Little Big Planet you're collecting stickers and using stickers around the various levels. And you've got your own sticker collection, and, and likewise yeah, here there are so. patches, and you collect the patch, and then you get to take it back and put it in the in the apartment, and it really does have that again, like Little Big Planet. You've got your own room to decorate, and it's got that kind of interactive feel to it, where you can leave your own imprint on the game. And in this case, it's a little bit more. You're doing it to unlock whatever it is, but still, it's got that. You do feel like you're putting your personal touch on. Well, your own flat, you can decorate how you want, and it. Make, yeah, yeah. Um, although the the other characters do pop around if they like your flat, and they and they covet certain items and stuff like that. I'm not sure if that does anything. We briefly touched on the co-op, but I actually found this a really interesting um, part of the game, as any co-op normally is. But this one in particular is only local co-op, which is drop in, drop out. I'm sure we. 
you you can either yes. start a game with two players or you can add somebody at any time. Um, but it, it, in some respects, it makes the game easier, but also harder. So Liz, you know, she doesn't play too many platformers. So you know, at, at time, it, it does this thing where you can actually grief with the player. So you can actually pick them up and throw them. Into, not you can really kill them, but you can cause chaos by wanting to do a jump and then someone picks you up. And occasionally, she would do that just because she was trying to press the, the button to jump, but then would you know, pick me up. But at the same time, um, I think if two um, competent players are playing with each other, you can actually get to areas which take a little bit of effort single player wise. And actually, with co op, you can just jump to areas and throw yeah. um, in this in Prince Fluff. Yeah. You throw into areas which are actually difficult or challenging to get to. And it makes the game actually a lot easier, but also, I, I don't know, quite fun. Um, There's no sort of specific has... areas, as in Little Big Planet, that are designed only for two or more people. No. Though. That's why it probably makes it too easy in, in some respects. Four scroll, the the four scrolling thing. levels, which are obviously inevitable because it's a platformer, are pretty horrible with two people. Because one of you, if one of you knows the level and the other doesn't, the other one just gets dragged along and is constantly flying with Angie. Although you can use uh, Angie at any time in a, in a co-op game to catch up with the other player. But I mean, if I think if you're going for the the gold score chasing, that's probably not great because if one person then drops, you know, dies and or you know gets left behind, then they lose beads and you end up in those arguments. But uh, what you can do, which is slightly different to to New Super Mario Brothers, is you can pick up your partner, put them on top of your head, or they can even I think Leon said they can, they just can stand yeah. on top of your head, mm-hmm. and you can just then b- bounce around, uh, you know, a harder part of the platforming, and they don't need to touch the controller at all. You're just moving them around the platform, and then you can put them down in a slightly more easy to go area. So I think if you play this with kids is, is ideal in that respect. That can't do self-esteem any good, though, surely. <laughs> just just put the Does controller mine. down. Just leave it. I think it's all right with, with, with your, your little kid who you're breaking into video games via yeah, yeah. Kirby's Epic Yarn, I reckon. <laughs> they also did that in Donkey Kong Country Returns. That, that game is nefariously brutal. Like, like how I like it yeah. and when I was when I was playing Colt with my girlfriend Gemma it was just too much and I just said I'll oh, just get on my back come on I'll carry you <laughs> and yeah she was like oh rubbish at this game and just turn the Wii remote off you're like oh <laughs> so maybe it's for the best like you know that there are totally different opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of difficulty but in New Mario Brothers when they go into a bubble I think that's even more exciting it's like insulting even um, it's just yeah, you drift over there while I work my way through here at least they can feel like they're part of the person that's actually doing the platforming mm. rather than just wait until I pop my bubble yeah. <laughs> well especially if you're th- then going to throw them up onto a platform that you wouldn't easily be able to reach and they can collect beads I suppose yeah you can work as a team a bit more like that I suppose you, yeah. you can even use them as a weapon so you can just pick them up and throw them at things you can as well. use them as a blunt yeah, instrument to throw at people yeah, yeah you can yeah pretty much Let's bring in our one and only Kirby's Epic Yarn correspondent. From email, oh yes, canerince at gmail.com, smudger07 uh, went to the trouble of sending this in. He says, so i had never played the likes of Kirby until a few months ago. I'd seen Epic Yarn at Eurogamer a couple of years ago and thought fairly little of it. But over the many months I'd started to hear many good things about it. As soon as the Brian Kant-esque storytelling started, a little grin started to appear. Graphically, it was stunning. Not HD stunning, but the typical Nintendo-style character, colourful, bright look, and the little touches of the slight spongy indentation underfoot, the bulge as Kirby goes between the different layers of cloth between secret doors, the way the curtains closed on the loading screen, and the general look of texture to the fabric in the fore and backgrounds. Just brilliant. 
Gameplay was fantastic. The way that Kirby is transformed into a different vehicle for a different situation with each means of transport having their own different characteristics and control, which in itself was so simple. But when the R-Type style shoot-em-up started, I literally beamed with joy. A lot of great thought and planning went into this game, and it showed in the control, gameplay, sound, and looks. I've already recommended this to a few people as a must-play, and this has reignited me into looking for more similar games for my soon-to-be-less-dusty Wii. That's fantastic. I really loved the fact that he pointed out that the they've got the curtains. It's not just on the loading screen, as he said. It's also on all the cutscenes, and along with the music you guys were talking about, which sounds a little bit like piano and a couple of other people maybe on a triangle or whatever mm. it sounds really sort of it's calling it amateur theater sounds a bit odd but like child's performer school type play yeah thing yeah and mm-hmm. you really feel like there is just a guy standing off at the side doing the narration and someone behind with the puppets and maybe mm. a couple of people just you know at the front of the stage with a piano and a couple of instruments and it really has that just just real simple but well put together and a lot of love gone into it homespun uh, for want of a yeah absolutely something yeah. that isn't so horribly punish yeah uh shall we do the three word reviews and then our own summaries yeah sure. is it is, is that is that all right with everyone or have i gone, have I gone too soon uh, gene 82 says charming easy platformer smudger 07 says woolly great game Frozen Treasure says, looks fucking amazing. Uh, that was my attempt at his Australian accent. I apologise, Roy. <laughs> Spin Face, Mark Johnson from Spong.com, Soul Candy Floss. That's soul as in your soul, not as in soul. like the only candy floss. <laughs> <laughs> Sinan Kuba says, whimsically, whimsical, whimsy. And finally, Dean James Smith says, fun but easy. Those are all people you should uh, follow on Twitter, uh, but especially Dean James Smith, at Dean James Smith, one of the funniest Twitter accounts around. He do- I don't think he even means it some of the time. He's just brilliant. Uh, so let us give our own summaries as to Kirby's Epic Yarn. Did we enjoy it? Would we recommend it? Etc. Yeah, Kirby's Epic Yarn was bit of a sort of I don't know I was balancing on it it was like a seesaw when it, when I first saw it like on one hand it looks amazing and it sounded amazing and I wanted to play it but on the other hand previous experiences with Kirby's meant that you know maybe I wouldn't get the most out of it uh, I'm really glad I played all the way through it and saw what well, all the way through the main bit and I am very tempted to go back and see these mini games because from the sounds of it that's where the the real meat of the game comes from I think from. you'd really um, enjoy them I really do mm, I really feel like I've done myself a disservice in uh you know, saying stupid Twitter things like Kirby's epic yawn, which I, d- I didn't, I didn't mean. By the way, that's just a joke. <laughs> just trolling, yeah, just being dickhead on Twitter. trolling his colleagues. Um, <laughs> but it's okay, you know. Um, I, I have said before, um, this is a you know an on 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 air Kane and Rince meeting. Do feel free to express your your genuine opinion, regardless of what you think the rest of our opinions might be of the game. But I think oh, I, I know yeah. you'd never be disingenuous, Darren. No, and uh, Dean James Smith sums it up in three words. It's really fun, but it's easy. And like I say, I'm going to go back and check out these mini games. Uh, I'd like to see Kerbic the uh, Kerbic. Kerbic. I'd like to see Ker- <laughs> <laughs> That's his cousin. He's actually a pen. Um, I'd like to see Epic Kirby. You know the 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 woolly style Kirby in a new Smash Brothers. I feel like he could offer some 
different kind of a gameplay. That sounds very likely as an alternate costume or an alternate, yeah, like a, a yeah another version like Cartoon Link in the last one. Yes, oh, brilliant. Indeed. You are brilliant, Darren. You sh- you should do games. And or I'd also like to see the sequel on the 3DS because 2D works amazing in 3D. And while not everyone can see the 3D. Uh, for us that, that can, uh, the, the 3D really pops. And just imagine Kirby behind felt bulging out of the screen. Oh, man. The, yeah. the, that's what I would love to play a Kirby's Epic Young game on 3DS, regardless of the fact that I can't see the 3D. Mm. So, yes, bring it on, please. Good feel. Stroke how, stroke Nintendo. <laughs> Next up is James. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, um, I enjoyed this when I played it first time around. I love going back to it and just... As I said, picking up the case today and looking at the front of it just brought a smile to my face. Putting it on and hearing that narration again just made me want to go and play it more. And seeing I'd only completed 68%, there's really no excuse for me not to to spend some more time in this world. And likewise, if they want to do a sequel, in all honesty, if they want to do any other Kirby game, I'm going to be interested because of this one. Um, Looking forward to, to going hunting out some others for you know, handheld and uh, and other Nintendo consoles, especially given so many are available on the virtual console. Tony? Um, I think the simplicity is what makes this game so beautiful. Uh, when it comes down to just the aesthetics, you know, they feel like nothing I've seen before, and that's rare, and certainly when we you know, regard the Wii as this underpowered console that has no classic titles on it, although we don't, as many other people do, I think we've all said the same thing on Twitter, like, seriously, you you only really need to scratch the surface on the Wii, it's got some fantastic stuff, and I think this belongs on in that pile of fantastic stuff, along with the Mario Galaxy games, of course. Um, and it... I haven't played a game for a long time that has transported me back to a place of my 12-year-old self uh, playing Mario for you know, New Super Mario World, and that's a rare and unique thing. It is easy, but then I kind of think the game is whatever you want it to be. It can be harder if you, you do this challenge stuff, and it can be just a light, fun experience that you can take your kids through or just play with your wife, um, uh, which you know is unique. Um, so I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It, it was a, a nice kind of refreshing break, break after some quite, you know, um, Japanesey <laughs> hardcore titles. This is very Japanese. Um, so, yeah, yeah, maybe. Oh, it's pink. pink. But you know, I I didn't feel ashamed about playing this, and I think you know that front cover sometimes will put people off because you know it does look very cute. But you know, I don't care. I I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a great game. Yeah, uh, this is probably a bit of a soapboxing from me banging this old drum, but it annoys me. It irks me that people uh, say that there's there's no games on the Wii or my Wii's gathering dust when they haven't played some of these games. So looking at its game ranking score, this game's on around, you know, aggregated score of like 89 high. So that makes it something like the 17th best game on the Wii. This (laughs) game is fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. Have all those people played the 16 games above it have they played this game have they played the ones just below it with a, with fantastic review scores i suspect not um another thing that irks me is people like obviously no one can play every game no one has the time there are some significant releases i've never played such as world of warcraft and mm-hmm. various other things like that that uh you know i should probably do something about but it does annoy me when people comment on you know whether it be the best games of 2010 when this came out in America or 2011 or the best games of this generation when they haven't played Kirby's Epic Yarn because they're kind of disqualifying themselves 
certainly in in terms of talking about best visuals of video games you know uh in in recent times if not ever uh this is an important piece you know you say that but the mainstream press i i think did actually Yeah i'm talking more game. anecdotally the, pre- the 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 I know, the, but... the press uh gave it great reviews but then a lot of gamers then ignored it for whatever reason whether it be stigma of it being on the Wii, stigma of it being cutesy or whatever, get over yourselves, stop playing shitty generic third-person shooter and get some love in your life from Kirby's epic yarn. That's what I say. Sweeping statement. <laughs> but yes. I don't know, I, I tend to agree. I, I think people are allowed to play of whatever, of, of course, what they want. But I think yeah, it does prove a point that this is a really, really charming game. And I think if more people just gave it the chance, they would also be transported back to a, a time when gaming was, you know, cute and fun. And, you know, that's maybe not something that they, they feel they want to get in touch with. Yeah, sure. But I, you know, I can tell you from my personal experience, it was, you know, a lovely feeling. And, you know, it was fantastic to see it. Well, I also think, so. you know, uh, away from ranting and being bullshit, um, this is the sort of game where if it came out and it was exactly the same game, exactly, you know, exactly the same, had it, all the same content, you know, all the extra levels it, and whatever, wasn't a Kirby game, wasn't on the Wii, but was an indie PC platformer or on XBLA, everyone would have fucking played it. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone would have been all over it like a cheap suit. But because it's cutesy, because it's Kirby, because it's on the Wii, it's like somehow people have disregarded it. And I think that is tragic because I think it would be it would be discussed as uh, it would it would be held in much higher regard. You know, if 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 it wasn't for people's prejudices, basically. I mean, it's something that we kind of aim for, and and you guys have set up beautifully on Kane and Rents is to to look at some different games, to look at the games that people maybe aren't talking about so much, or exactly. people are talking about but aren't playing. And you look at last week more for me than you guys. Ghost Trick mm. on the DS was where I played it. That's where it first came out, and then this week um, Kirby's Epic Yarn on the Wii. That's two games on Nintendo platforms that get a lot of stick these days. Um, that were two of my very favorite games. I mentioned them both on the end of year podcast that we did um, mm. last year. Were right up there as two of my favorite games. And you don't even like Japanese games. Probably my two favorite games. Yeah, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And until last year, I maybe wouldn't have tried them. And yet here I am sitting here imploring people desperately, <laughs> in all honesty. And it's not the easiest game to find, and it's not the cheapest game to buy anymore. But if you want to see companies like, like Nintendo keep being creative, and it's a Wii game that didn't use Wii controls, it didn't do the thing that people criticised the Wii for, it used simple controls because that's what worked, and it was still very inventive, did lots of clever things, they might not have been unique things, but they were just really well, I keep saying well done when I'm talking about games, but in this case I think it fits. Well said. The roundup then. Now, it's that time Tony and I have got together uh, and we have come up with the next bunch of shows all the way up until November. It's a long list. Are you ready? Uh, we've, we've been asked to do this, so apologies for the, to those of you who don't enjoy this bit, but uh, I, I reckon probably more of you do than don't in terms of getting excited for what's coming. And it will, it will get shorter every week. Yeah, it does. It does until, until <laughs> we get our asses in gear again. Yeah. So if you want to play along with the show or indeed ahead of us and ready for the podcasts, 
Future featured games will include Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker, the Rhythm Heaven Tengoku series, Max Payne and Max Payne 2, The Fall of Max Payne, and then starting the new list, we have Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery EP, then Darksiders, Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots, you knew about that one, Borderlands, Mirror's Edge, Half-Life, the start of the new series after the end of the Metal Gear, uh, Asura's Wrath, then the Cast of Illusion, Stroke Quackshot, Stroke World of Illusion, Loose Trilogy, Syndicate, the 2012 one, uh, there may be a little chat about the 1993 original, uh, Half-Life 2 then, after that, Cave Story, Binary Domain, then Pac-Man Championship Edition, DX, and a general Pac-Man chat. Half-Life 2, Episodes 1 and 2. And then, uh, this has not actually been dated yet, but as it's already been promised, uh, we will be doing Shenmue's 1 and 2 in December and January at some point. The full schedule, until December, can, or imminently, will be able to be found on the blog. Which is at, Tony? www.kanerince.com which you can also find, well, you can find our quick rinse videos on the blog, but also on the YouTube channel. Da- uh, Darren, what do we have at the moment? At the moment, we have, well, in the future, we have the brand new co-op quick rinses where me and Josh play Trials, Minecraft, and Outland in, in, in the co-op modes. And uh, I'll be honest, having two of you chatting and bantering with each other makes the quick rinses come alive. Not that they're bad at the moment, but it adds an extra element of... Uh, of humour, I find. Yeah, um, I've recently done some puzzle ones, Cube and Quantum Conundrum. Uh, there's loads going up at the moment. Yeah, I will actually get some put up on the blog imminently. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, which can be found at Kane and Rinse. Uh, find us on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash Kane and Rinse. And of course, you can send good old emails. Just like Smudger did. Uh, which can, which is at caneandrince at gmail.com Naturally, this being a podcast, your support for us via iTunes, ratings, reviews and subscriptions is hugely appreciated and welcomed and of course we have a forum characterselect.net slash forum So, it just remains for me, Leon Cox to thank Tony Atkins, James Carter and Darren Gargett and leave you with some well, what words have we used a lot to this uh, show? Whimsical? Gentle? Whimsical. Charming? Cute. Fluff's eyebrows. Cross eyebrows. (laughs) Prince Fluff's cross eyebrows. Uh, This will be a tune from Kirby's Epic Yarn of Darren's selection, and we'll be back next week. Until then, goodbye. (laughs) 